1: Hey everybody, welcome to the Big Ticket, Variety and iHeart's movie podcast. I'm your host, Mark Malkin. Before we get started, I just want to say Happy New Year. I hope you all had a great holiday break. In this episode, I chat with Oscar-nominated screenwriter Anthony McCartan. In the last three years, McCartan has written the movies that have led to Oscars for Eddie Redmayne in The Theory of Everything, Gary Oldman in The Darkest Hour, and last year's win for Rami Malek's work as Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Rhapsody. His latest, The Two Popes, immediately entered the Oscar conversation as soon as it premiered at Telluride. The Two Handers an imagined series of conversations between Pope Benedict, played by Anthony Hopkins, and his successor, Pope Francis, played by Jonathan Price. Netflix has campaigned Price for lead actor and Hopkins for supporting, and we'll find out if they're officially in the Oscar race when nominations are announced on January 13th. McCartan originally wrote The Two Popes as a play after visiting St. Peter's Square in Vatican City to light a candle for a cousin who had recently passed away. Here on The Big Ticket, McCartan recalls that fateful day. Plus, he reveals why Pope Francis could be a fan of ABBA, and more specifically, their hit song, Dancing Queen. Later on, McCartan talks about his work on the upcoming Neil Diamond Broadway musical and a biopic about the Bee Gees. We'll be right back after the break.
2: I've got one word for you. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. On this new weekly podcast, Meeting Tom Cruise, we're going to talk about Tom Cruise. We're going to talk to people who have met Tom Cruise. Why? because Tom Cruise is the greatest movie star of all time. Is he though? Shut your mouth. Everyone who has met him has an amazing story to tell.
1: And that's where I met
2: Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise.
1: When I hear the bathroom door open, and it's Tom Cruise.
2: Hey everybody, I'm Jeff Meacham. You might know me as Josh Openhole from TV's Blackish, and I'm here with the goose to my maverick. Hey, I'm
0: Joel Johnstone, and you might know me as Archie and the marvelous Mrs. Mason. And I'm Alec Lev, and you
2: might... Nope, no one knows you from anything. Listen, we love Tom Cruise. We are inspired by Tom Cruise. But while we live work in Hollywood, we've never actually met Tom Cruise. So we're going to talk to some people who have, and maybe one of them will lead us to the man himself, so we can have our own stories of meeting Tom Cruise. Does it really have to just be about Tom Cruise? Shut up! Why
1: are you here?
2: Listen to Meeting Tom Cruise on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back to the big ticket. Here's screenwriter Anthony McCarten. Um, yeah, it's how you right, let's, yeah, I want to go back next year. Yeah. And it's, nice. And it's nice for my work. And I just get to see all these movies ahead of time. I know. So I don't have great. to like run around LA trying to like, catch up on everything. Yeah. I've been telling everyone about Two Posts since I yeah. saw it. Go ahead. But, really? I'll put it on uh, the. Oh sure. Um, well congratulations thank you we're
2: live already we're
1: live already it's going um i don't waste time uh the movie's fantastic i saw it the first time in telluride Mm. did not know what to expect all i knew was two popes i didn't even know if it was about two popes Mm. i was like i'm gonna go i'm in Mm. telluride and i've
2: been two sort of villainous superhero characters called the the (laughs) popes
1: There you go. Yeah. There you go. There's your, there's your next marvel. The dark Pope. Maybe Scorsese will direct the superhero movie yeah. of the Pope's.
2: Yeah. Um, the Pope Mobile will have sort of jets out the back. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um, and it's just, it's funny. It's, I hate this word, but I'm going to use it anyway. It's educational. Um, no, educational's is good. Yeah, and it's just. It was really, like, I just walked out of it feeling really good. Yeah. Um, and it's just you're watching these two masters mm. just act together.
2: Yeah, there's a tremendous, I was looking for the word, you know, there's so many adjectives you could apply to their performances. And I've settled on relaxation. Yeah, They are so, um, reached a period of such consummate mastery, both these these actors that there's just complete relaxation in a scene mm. and it draws you in so magnetically right um and i guess that's one of the keys to great acting is relaxation
1: yeah there's the one shot of them when yeah. they're sitting and i think anthony hopkins kind of has this not his feet up but you kind of see his shoes that way yeah they're just yeah you know anyway there's a scene where they're just both of them sitting and it, it goes to a wide shot yeah and it was just like, these are just two buddies talking.
2: Yeah, no, I, the, the moment's are quite a critical one in the drama because the way it's weighted is that these two um, characters who, op- who occupy different political positions one's a conservative, one's a liberal it's a bit like a prize fight. They come mm. in swinging. Yeah. And then they punch themselves to a standstill. <laughs> and then they retire to their corners and they sit. And ben- Pope Benedict says to Pope Francis, Let's just be silent. Let's just sit with each other Mm -hmm. and be brothers. Yeah. And there's this period of silence in the movie. And that silence is is part of the story Mm -hmm. because it's in that silence. Silence allows for tolerance. It allows for listening to someone. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's listening. We have have a crisis of not listening, I think, to the other side. And that's the beginning of a... Of a friendship between the two, of an understanding, of a, of a, of a slow communion mm. so between this, these two. It started as a play. It did. Where yeah. did
1: it come from? Where did Where did you say, "Hey, I'm going to get these two popes together"? Because how many people think it's a real? It's real.
2: Yeah. Well, it's, I, I'd like to say it's truthful. Mm-hmm. Um, we can debate the word reality, right? Um, <laughs> but it's. Uh, I don't know. It was. It's either divine inspiration or career <laughs> in desperation. <laughs> um, I was in Rome and uh, happened to be in St. Peter's Square for various reasons I won't go into. And uh, Pope Francis was, was giving an open air mass. And having been raised Catholic in quite an intensely Catholic family, mm-hmm. I um, I knew about that Pope and I also knew there was another one. There was a second Pope, a shadow Pope, mm. the, the, the German Pope who had resigned and although I, I was raised Catholic, I didn't know the details of that resignation. We, it kind of passed me by. Mm-hmm. So I got out my phone and I Googled when was the last time a pope resigned. And the number 700 came up, 700 <laughs> years. It was 1213 wow. when a man called Celestine V decided to resign because he just had enough. Not since then has anyone resigned. In fact, it was so scandalous, this resignation, that Dante, when he wrote his Inferno, had a passage uh, about Celestine V. Mm. He called him the great refuser, and he consigned him to the lowest level of hell for the, for the great cowards. Wow. And so for 700 years after that, no one would have thought, <laughs> dared, would have dared <laughs> to, to, to resign. And I started thinking about this this German pope who was sequestered within the walls of a convent, about 100 yards behind the St. Peter's Square where I was watching this charismatic mm-hmm. superstar Francis deliver this sermon and I thought I want to know what's going on I'm going to dive into that resignation and see if there's something there and and this this play and this movie and an accompanying non-fiction book yes I just got it actually <laughs> um, all emerge from that question if you could ask Pope Francis and
1: Pope Benedict something what would it be?
2: I would love. I'd love to ask them. Uh, had they seen the movie? did they want to see the movie? Um, I would <laughs> desperately love to be a fly on the wall and see their expressions, because it's it's an act of portraiture, mm-hmm. and you want to know if you got it right. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I, I've always ached to know that. I wish Freddie Mercury was able to watch that film. Right. The only subject that I've had feedback from. Um, I mean, Brian May and Roger Taylor for mm-hmm. Bohemian Rhapsody, they were very pleased with that. It's almost like they come around my side of the canvas and look at what right, I've done and right. go, eh, not bad, not <laughs> bad. But the most touching thing was when Stephen Hawking watched the first screening right. of, of uh, The Theory of Everything. And when the lights came up at the end, he had a tear running down his cheek. And he, ha- he had a two-word verdict on the film that he typed into his little computer and which came out with that famous computer right. voice. Broadly true. Broadly true. <laughs> it remains the best <laughs> review I've ever had. Uh, partly out of relief, you know, that uh, that uh, he recognized himself in there. Right. He knew I'd taken li- some liberties, but you, he also was sophisticated enough to know that you have to. right. Because history turns out to be quite a lousy filmmaker, so um, hmm. you have to you have to apply some artifice. What did your family think? Um, you said you were raised very, very yes, Catholic. Yes, um, not all of them have seen it. It's so it's, it's so early in the life of this film mm-hmm. that it's only played in festivals. And and um, uh, my sister, um, who's my oldest sister, uh, who. Actually was the reason I was in, I went to St. Peter's Square that day because mm. she texted me from New Zealand where I was born and said uh, our cousin had passed away and if I was near a church, light a candle. Wow. So I decided to go there and go to St. Peter's Square and, and light a candle. She's going to come to Argentina with me for the, pr- the premiere in South America wow um, so i'm going to try and make a fuss of it because in her own small way she's kind of responsible she's, yeah i mean she lit the fire she lit, <laughs> she lit the candle yeah.
1: wow so when you do a deep dive into something like this obviously you know is there anything that would show or were there any stories about the two of them talking at all like where do you get that dialogue from like stephen hawking you had people who were still alive who were telling mm. you stories. I don't imagine you knocked on the Vatican's door and said, anybody want to tell me some stories? No,
2: no. They didn't supply me with a giant <laughs> key or anything. Right. I got entry to the walled city. <laughs> no. Um, it was it was a, a more, one of the more interesting experiments I've done with the, with the biographical form in a way in that um, I, I, I did enough research to know what the stated positions uh, and the of each character was and their idiosyncrasies and how they were but they had delivered these statements and uh, proclamations and so forth um in separate rooms so my my, this is where i got involved and got excited was that i opened doors and got them into the same room and 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 contrived a a conversation Mm -hmm. and debate between them along the you know the classic rules of dialectic that Argument counter argument had to be similarly powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a fair fight. Right. Um, and uh, and that was the experiment. And, uh, you know, I, I think people um, n- can get what I'm doing here. Right. Um, so although I've contrived the, the, the debate, it's truthful.
1: Right. Where did ABBA come from? Where did Dancing Queen come from? That
2: was just an idea, a sort of crazy idea I had because I wanted to show that, that Francis was a man of the people. A whistling, dancing, queen Sure. Why not? Going into sure. The yeah, no, he was a bouncer my... he was a bouncer in a tango club. He fell in love with a woman. He's he, he knows about popular culture. My... Massive football fan. It's not beyond the realms that my you know, husband, for him to my husband lost it. The... <laughs> he just lost it because he first of all knew it right away when he yeah. was whistling yeah.
1: and he just he loved it
2: and i wanted this encounter in this bathroom um to, to, to be francis whistling um dancing queen and for benedict the classicist the dry academic um mm-hmm. to think it was some gregorian chant <laughs> and, and say you know what's this tune Abba. <laughs> it sounds like a cheap joke but it's it's a, it's a shortcut to to just defining character. Well, I was just gonna say yeah. it
1: shows exactly who they yeah. are and then you put them in at least what I see is you put them in a bathroom where yeah. sort of that's a very it sort of breaks down walls because yeah. it's a very intimate place. Yeah. Um when do when do you know that you've I know this is probably an impossible question, but like, okay, this is the script, this is the dialogue. When do you know you could hand it over to someone and say pitch this out there this so is good. it's
2: yeah that's that's a line that keeps moving mm-hmm. because there's different levels of completion mm-hmm. um a, f- a first draft is usually a mess and um a second draft is so, uh, is a little better and a little better <laughs> so it's 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 when you feel confident and you, that's a question of judgment and experience this is ready to be read um and you kind of learn that along the way you have a sense you have an internal kind of radar about that right but there was a there's a great quote that um a, a great a very great poet once said that uh, works of art are, are never fin- finished only ever abandoned and so That sounds so cruel. Yeah, but it's true. <laughs> Nothing perfection is not is not something that's attainable. Right. You, you, there is a certain point where you walk away and say I've done my best right. at that I imagine Michelangelo walked away from the Pieta or something, he you know, and, and, or, the, or the David, right. and go, yeah, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, the, the left butt cheek could have done a little a little bit more work, but, you know, I'm done with this. Yeah.
1: What was it like seeing Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins in the vestments for the first time?
2: Yeah, no, breathtaking. Yeah. Breathtaking. I, I, uh, we had built the Sistine Chapel for this thing, which so is no small yeah. achievement, and, <laughs> Um, I remember arriving on set, and, and uh, Anthony Hopkins was doing his first scene in the Sistine Chapel, and um, I was watching on a monitor, and and I watched him this wonderful performance. As I as I say, just so relaxed in in this medium, and so in control, mm. um, and loved it. And I went over to the director Fernando Morales and said, Fernando, um, that wonderful stuff. Um, I only have one question: When did you make the decision? That uh, that Anthony wouldn't attempt a German accent, and Fernando, who's South American, looked at me blankly and said, "Isn't he?" <laughs> uh, Tony Hopkins swore he was going to be using a German <laughs> accent. I said, "It's Welsh, Fernando. It's Welsh." Um, and he said, "Oh my God, I have a dialect coach." And, and Tony had hoodwinked everybody. He <laughs> he he clearly decided that it would be mawkish um, yeah, to to t- do it's a whole German thing, but it's a whole. <laughs> I don't have a sense of humor. You know all this stuff.
1: Maybe the two uh, popes in Jojo Rabbit. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> and I think he was absolutely right. There may actually be a rule here that we're 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 um, discovering that you're allowed one accent <laughs> in a movie. You can't have two. No, I thought it, about, I actually like it about, might drive you crazy. Well, well, I
1: thought about that last night. Um, like I said, it was the second time I saw it, and I was like. <laughs> There's a one point, I think I think it was um, Pope Benedict said, like, it's hard talking in English, speaking yeah, in English. It's exhausting. It's yeah. exhausting speaking yeah. in English. And I was like, those two guys work together. Would they speak in English?
2: Yeah, it would have been their common yeah. tongue, yeah. No, that's not unrealistic that they would mm. use English. It's it, It's the franca lingua, isn't it? Right. Um, especially, you know, it's the scientific languages, the international you know, language of business and mm-hmm. so forth. So no, that's not a stretch.
1: So Jonathan Price looks so much like Pope Francis.
2: Don't tell him that. I, I think he um, Jonathan would like to be likened to Brad Pitt, but uh, I'm, I'm, I could tell him that yeah, too. But yeah. you know, in this movie <laughs> he happens to look a lot like
1: Pope Francis. Yeah. <laughs> but, it's so
2: much so that when Pope Francis was announced the internet just filled with pictures of Jonathan Price. Because he okay. Jonathan was in um um Game of Thrones at the time. Right. A character called the High Sparrow. And um suddenly, you know, they were going, Oh my God And, <laughs> and Jonathan's kids ran in and said, Daddy, you're Pope <laughs> and um uh, it's it was it's kind of it's very cool. Yeah. Uh, it guided us to Jonathan, um and uh what a great choice he was for this. I saw him in Miss Saigon. mm a Gazillion years ago in New yeah. York.
1: Mm. Um when so, it's Anthony Hopkins, it's Jonathan Price. When did you find out about the casting? Did you get involved in any, or did you give Fernando, like, hey, I'm thinking about this guy, that guy? Or,
2: um, we w- the producers and I had talked about, um, you know, wish lists, which mm-hmm. usually is just, you know, um, something you never achieve. But we right. went in, and, and when I pitched this movie to Netflix. Um, we took in two photographs, one of Jonathan Price and one of Anthony Hopkins, and we hadn't got them. They mm. weren't. Um, they hadn't committed to it. I, I don't. I'm not even sure they'd even been asked at that wow. point. And at the end of the meeting, when Netflix said yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll make this film, um, they asked, "So do you have these actors?" And we said, "Well, not exactly, but you know, <laughs> we're, we're hopeful." And we got them both, and I think it, it was a combination of them both wanting to work with Fernando. Mm-hmm. Tony Hopkins had already worked with Fernando once and I, very much enjoyed that. And uh, Jonathan Price, it turns out, um, adores City of God, Fernando's, mm-hmm. um, and thinks it's one of the great films. Um, so it, we got them, and um, what a wonderful pairing. And then as soon as, as, soon as it played in Telluride, mm. everyone's talking
1: about it. Mm. Oscar nominations, Oscar nominations. You've yeah. been around this block.
2: Yeah. Did, no, I didn't th- really see it coming. Yeah. No, I thought um, this is more one of my obscure ideas, a niche market. You know, mm-hmm. a big niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, one point four well, billion <laughs> Catholics is a pretty big niche. Do um, you think?
1: Are you nervous about some reaction from Catholics on it? N-
2: increasingly, I'm I'm reassured. Mm. I've had all kinds of um, reactions now pouring in, and um, they're they're more than positive. That's I was great. with two nuns and um you know i'm suffering slightly from ptsd <laughs> trauma over nuns myself <laughs> and um they came in and i felt like, oh well, they wreck the <laughs> me with a ruler here wreck me with a ruler over my knuckles for being an audie boy and i'll have to stay after school and <laughs> um they sat down and they were overjoyed with it and i and i think it it's, it's partly to do with the fact that it's it shows in a very realistic way the the, the the size of the good intentions working within this institution that by and large the majority of people working um, in the Catholic Church and other organized religions are, are really motivated to do good mm. and they're working very hard in in thankless situations often often unpaid mm. and yet the overriding story from the newspapers is this continuing horror show of the sexual abuse scandals yeah. And so the, the other, their side, the human side, um, it, it is not getting much oxygen. Mm-hmm. So to see this movie, which humanizes these two church leaders, I think is uh, was um, reassuring. It was encouraging. It was um, a relief.
1: But through but through the movie, there is a the thread of the sexual abuse. There is. It's it's brought up a couple of times, and you just once it's brought up, you can't forget it.
2: Yeah.
1: No. Um, and then at one point when Pope Benedict is giving a uh, saint confession. Yeah. Uh, it, there's, uh, it's not like he's
2: whispering. You, uh, we, what's the word? The volume goes goes down. Yes, and, and we don't we don't hear what that confession. Why?
1: Is. Why, why is that?
2: My, my intention there, and this was this was an idea I had when I was writing it, because I started to think of what what would he if he begins to confess? When will he end this confession? Because I I think that the list of the church's failings is, is so long, mm. it's such a huge laundry list, that it would always feel insufficient. You know. Interesting. So, wow. I, so I created an empty space into which people could throw their prime whatever, frust- their. whatever their, their thing was, their frustration, their rage, mm. their anger, um, their disappointment, and it would then become a kind of universal confession.
1: Oh, that's interesting.
2: Um, so it wasn't cowardice, and I mm-hmm. and, and I'm reassured because I people are, it often comes up in questions. You know, um, you were very specific about Pope Francis's failings and his sins, mm. um, but you dropped the volume on Benedict. You know, is that cowardice? Don't you want to face what mm. what, what that is? It's, it's the opposite. It's mm. the opposite. It's the it's the sheer uh, enormity of the church's failings right. in, the, the, in the sexual abuse area and others, which um, I think necessitated that kind of artistic decision. Hmm.
1: Right now we're going to take a short break, but when we come back, McCartan talks about writing not only the new Broadway musical about Neil Diamond, but also a biopic about the Bee Gees.
0: If you're like me and spend hours on Instagram scrolling past all the over-filtered, perfect highlight reels of other women and just wish you had someone to commiserate with about your nightly shame spirals, I have great news for you. I'm Jade Iovine and I'm the host of Tell Me About It, the weekly podcast that's here to remind you that the women we constantly compare ourselves to, yes, even that one, also have lives that are far from perfect. Whether it's admitting all the times you've texted your ex, navigating the world of fertility treatments, or feeling like the only one in the room with depression, nothing quite compares to the relief you feel when another woman admits they've stood exactly where you are. And live to tell the tale. So cancel that Zoom happy hour. You know you didn't want to go anyway. And come hang with me as I talk to women I respect about all the insecurities, mistakes, and the heartbreaks that they don't normally post about on Instagram. Join me for Heart to Hearts with tech CMO Bozema St. John, environmentalist and influencer Steph Shepp, actress Jamie Lynn Siegler, and many more. Listen to Tell Me About It with Jade Iveen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Welcome back. Here's more of Anthony McCartan. So you have a good track record. You get it. you help actors get Oscars. Um, Thank you for that. You're welcome. Theory of Everything. Someone
2: connecting uh, the screenplay with, Dark as uh, with an actor's performance is You're not welcome. the connection everybody makes.
1: Well, I'm not everybody. <laughs> Darkest Hour, <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. So as Jonathan Pryce and Anthony Hopkins said he to he you, like, well, you, better.
2: he damn well better. <laughs> I whisper into his ear. The volume drops out. And people, what are you whispering to him? You damn well better win. You know is there what? pressure? A Pete That would be something. <laughs> is there pressure? No, none at all. No. No. It I, happens. I, it happens. Yeah. I, the, the nice thing about you know this is this is the fourth go round of this awards um, thing, and uh, and the nice thing for me is I like tony hopkins i have a relaxation that i didn't have i was very anxious and quite competitive and i I, you know i'm from a very large family and i'm quite a competitive person Mm -hmm. so uh, you know i i I remember the first go around i bought into it i was really wanting to win and Mm. stuff and and it it can overwhelm you it's not good it's not good (laughs) it doesn't bring out the best side of your nature it's not good for your creativity it's not good for the reason why we're all here to make, make good art artists shouldn't be put in competition with each other so so you're taking your name out of the competition (laughs) no i just i'm just not emotionally investing in it i'm doing i'm i'm so pleased with this film so proud of this film that i'm happy to do it but i'm trying i'm i'm talking to myself every morning Mm -hmm. you know just you know this is there's something unseemly about about this artistic competition thing um You've already won. You made your movie, right. you know, and and audiences are responding in an, an unbelievably cool way. Yeah. You know, people falling into your arms like this happened two days ago, and a guy just said, "Fucking hell!" and he had tears streaming down his face. Wow. We had about twenty people who you wanted to say to them, "Don't drive home in this condition. Right. Sit down for twenty minutes. Wow. Um, That's so art. Who would that th- is art. Who who would think?" Two, you know, a movie about two old guys in dresses talking about God would would. <laughs> well, when I, you put it that way, you know what I mean. <laughs> right. It's it, it, that is, it's winning audience awards, which you, you usually go to really. You know, a strong element of popcorn mm-hmm. in it is necessary to win an audience awards. It? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's we're still trying to work out why it's having the impact, but I think it's got to do with something with that world out there. What do you that think? There's, that there's so, many, so much shouting and so much anger and so much polarization that this movie, which really speaks to that, mm. you know, di- people would start out with very diametrically opposed positions. Right. Reach an accommodation with each other. Um, but they never agree with, with each other. No, it's not necessary yeah. to agree with each other, but you can, you can reach a point of synthesis where, you, where I take your argument into myself. I live with it. Is it compromise? And, uh, is it compromise? It's, it's an element of compromise, yeah. yeah. And it's saying, I don't agree with everything you've said, but there I can understand why you're saying it. Mm-hmm. And I can put myself in your shoes, and I will learn something from that activity Right, that will inform my, that maybe makes me review my own position. Mm-hmm. So I haven't completely adopted yours, right, but I've adjusted mine because mm-hmm. I've heard you. And this comes back to, Something I wanted to mention. You said you you're Jewish. Yep. Yeah. A, a gentleman came up to me at, at, in New York, and uh, after a screening, and he said, "You know, this is a Jewish movie," and I, I was delighted by that. <laughs> wanted to know why he said it, and he said, "Because it's a foundational aspect of um, of Judaism to debate scripture yep. and to look at dogma, um, not to revere dogma, but to um, question dogma, to assail it, and use the intellect and argument." Right. And uh, to engage in a disputation where my argument is meant to pr- provoke a, an even better counter argument in you. And it's almost mm-hmm. like a game of chess. And it's right. so healthy. Mm-hmm. Catholicism isn't like that. We're supposed to bend on our knee and just receive the right. word. Well, I mean, the old saying is
1: what is it? Seven, ask seven rabbis the same question and you get seven yeah. different answers. Exactly.
2: So uh. it's. Um, um, he said it was the most Talmudic movie he'd ever wow. seen, and I loved that because it it, it made me think. Well, well, will it fulfill the hope of mine that this isn't just about the Catholic Church? Right. It's, it's not even about religion. No, it's, it's about, not. It's about coming to a you know to a place where you can you can tango together. Okay, a
1: couple of questions, then I'll let you go, <clears throat> Neil Diamond.
2: Song, song. I mean, he's one of my heroes. He's one of my heroes. Red, but no one <laughs> come and join me there. What's the next like? Oh, I am not doing come that. Come on, what's the name? Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, coward, <laughs> coward.
1: Come into America come today, today. <laughs> today. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, he's, a, he's
2: an absolute genius. So
1: he's you're a, you're writing a musical? Yeah, for a Broadway.
2: B- yeah. Wow. Yeah, we go into rehearsal in January. So how'd
1: you get together with this Jew?
2: Oh my God! <laughs> the, the Jewish Elvis. Yeah, come yeah. on. No, no uh, I got. I started getting together with Neil Diamond from when, from about you know the earliest memories in my childhood. When my mother was blue, she would drop the needle on Neil Diamond, and mm-hmm. I know every Neil Diamond song. If you were more game than you are, <laughs> I, I'd get you to You'd say win. a line, <laughs> and I'd <laughs> know the next line. So there were, I got a phone call, um, and um, someone said, "Was I interested?" I said, "Am I ever?" And so I had the great, great pleasure to meet Neil mm. um, and uh, and um, sell myself wow. to him. And he, he allowed me to start, begin this journey. So we have a great team. Michael Mayer um, is directing. And uh, we, we're hoping to start out of town, maybe like Boston or Chicago or something, mm-hmm. uh, if not in 2020, 2021, so and then bring, gonna- it into, bring it into town. Who's going to play Neil Diamond? Oh, we have someone. I'm not sure I can announce it. Yeah, I'm not sure I I wouldn't tell anybody. You wouldn't tell anybody. (laughs) I'm going to leave you until I have permission. I'm certain I I shouldn't tell you, but we have a fantastic Tony Award-winning actor um, who's great. Jonathan Pryce. Wow.
1: Mm. Yeah, no, Neil Diamond. I mean, that's my parents grew up in the same neighborhood and the whole thing. So yeah. you, Brooklyn. Uh, my You're parents, parents grew up in Brooklyn. No, I grew up in great. Queens. No, so great. they, um, anytime I meet someone like a Neil Diamond or yeah, Bob or Streisand, my mom's like, ask them if they know the Goldstein twins. That's my mother and her sister. Oh, really? I'm like, mom, they don't know the Goldstein twins. Oh, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and then also the Bee Gees. Bee Gees, Staying Alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another phone call. Another, Another phone, phone call. call. Yeah, I was walking in Hyde Park and the, the producer of Bohemian Rhapsody, Graham King, rang up and said two words, well, <laughs> four words, Steven Spielberg. I went, uh-huh. you, aha, <laughs> you have my attention. Um, Bee Gees, um, would you be interested? I went, oh, wow, let, you know, let me go somewhere I can sit down. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, fantastic, absolutely. And to recreate that period, the disco period, will be so much fun. So much mu- fun. The music is joyous. Hits across four decades. They reinvented themselves, these brothers, mm-hmm. at least three times. Yeah. Um, and wrote so many classics for other people. Barbara Streisand, Celine Dion, um, Kenny Rogers, Dolly Parton. Did, did you know that no, the don't, Islands don't even Ar- get me, Don't even get me started on Dolly Parton. Listen, do, did you know Islands in the Stream is written by... That kind of sounds familiar to me. Some biggest selling country music song of all time. Yeah. So is someone going to play Dolly in the, the Bee Gees
1: love. movie? They will. <laughs> they will.
2: They're going to have to do these. Someone's going to have to be Streisand. Well, Who's going to play Streisand? You know there's only one person who plays play Streisand. Who's that? Streisand. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. And we're going to end on that quote. Thank you for two This
1: <laughs> Listen, the Irishman deaged in Europe. Hey, yeah. Oh. Anthony, thank you so much. This is awesome. See
2: you, buddy. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you. That was Anthony McCartan, the Oscar-nominated screenwriter of The Two Popes*. The film is available right now on Netflix. That's it for this week's episode of The Big Ticket. Make sure to come back here next week for my sit-down with another Oscar-hopeful, Laura Dern. Again, Happy New Year, and if you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit me up on Twitter, at Mark Malkin. See you next time.